Before diving into today's episode, did you know that this podcast has a supporters club? By becoming a member, you not only gain access to exclusive content, but also play a crucial role in supporting your favorite podcast. See the link in the episode description to find out more. Now, let's get back to the episode. Well, it feels pretty good to be in 2017. I mean, outside of issues at Washington, you know, it's pretty good in terms of movies because at least Star Wars Episode Eight is coming. The Last Jedi. I really did like that teaser trailer. I wonder what Luke meant by saying the Jedi must end. And if, you know, Rey's parentage is actually connected to them. Or is she a part of a third branch of powerful Force users? And that would be pretty cool to add some freshness to the series. Some of these theories here that people are doing, you know, if there's one thing funny about certain scenarios, like in any sort of fandom, the Star Wars fandom is very special in terms of the levels of it is. Because you got some people that like the movies, you got some people that like the books, you got some people that love the action figures, and then you have the people that love everything and dress up. So, you know, that's what makes it so cool about the Star Wars franchise. The problem is that you got everybody that think that they're right all the damn time. Just like this person here with their little scenario. Where'd all this stuff come from? I'd read it, but, you know, it's a little too explicit even for the J-Man Show. Speaking of which, welcome to the J-Man Show here on G360 Radio. Hello, J360 Legion, and we are back on the special Double Up episode of the J-Man Show. Congratulations, ladies and gentlemen. We are on episode 21 and the road to 30. Only this time, we are far away from Earth. Looks like things are going beyond our world, and we need to get away from horrible things anyway, like Incompetence Inc. and Bill O'Reilly nonsense. We are going to venture the galaxy. And not too long ago... That significant trailer that came into our lives I mentioned in the cold open is pretty much going to shed some light on what the hell's going on in the Star Wars sequel trilogy. I've been thinking about that for quite some time. I like to say when Episode 7 came into our lives. Now, you know what? When you watch it with the other movies, it's enjoyable. But when you watch it by itself, it's pretty much like the original trilogy all wrapped up into one movie, if you think about it. It's like copy and paste, copy and paste. You know, with the original people coming up to say hi, and then, like, the new people are all of a sudden able to do so many things. I don't know, Star Wars Episode Seven was kind of hit or miss with me. And you know what? Don't get mad. Don't get mad. I love the Star Wars series. Don't get me wrong. But it's just that one could have been a little bit better in places, but it's cool to go back to the galaxy, right? And you never know. Episode Eight here... It'll probably fulfill a lot of things. I know it's got some big shoes to fill, because everybody loves Empire Strikes Back. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is the best movie in the original trilogy, according to fandom. With me, I like all of them anyway, but, you know, I'm also a Star Wars prequel fan, and needless to say, you know, some of y'all have a hard time understanding that shit. Even to this day, even though I get through all the facts I want out there, but still, you know, some people in their narratives, (laughs) that's just life, right? Doesn't matter. The thing about it is, is this. I want the movie to live up to the hype. I want it to cover certain things in the sequel trilogy, and I also want it to stand on its own. 
I want it to have a direction that really makes us rethink the franchise. You know what I'm saying? And this movie will have to serve as the backbone. Because, you know, Episode 7 was kind of like, you know, a teaser, a trial version, maybe. This is what it could be if, say, we continue on. And since, you know, we've had some significant losses regarding, you know, the legacy of the franchise in certain areas, it's amazing to see where we go from here, because a lot of us are having doubts about Episode 9. Even though Episode 9 is still on that platform, we have to give it a chance, you know, regardless of what happens. But Episode 8, however, has a lot going for it, so hopefully we can enjoy this film and, you know, give it its due, and it will reward us in certain ways that maybe we won't expect. Because it does have that red logo for a reason. Now, to be fair, it is good to see that the whole subject of an ongoing struggle of good versus evil, and it is the anchor film of 2017. So, maybe we're going to get what we're looking for, but if the Star Wars trailer didn't excite you, then we can go ahead and hang out in another galaxy with our favorite rogues, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Boy, May is almost here. I am excited. Shoot, as soon as I get college out of the way, it's going to be enjoyable. I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to watch Baby Groot do his thing, watch Rocky create some crazy-ass weapon that's going to save everybody, and, well, <laughs> see how Ego the Living Planet is um, Star-Lord's father and everything else. I mean, you know, there's a lot of excitement in space this year because Cosmic Marvel never gets old, and I'm glad that we're finally getting a big audience for that. Though, you know, there is something missing, uh... He requires a silver skin and a surfboard. We need the silver surfer sometimes, but then again, it's already built up to the point where we kind of don't need him. And that's sad and, well, you know, it, it is sad. Considering that Fox is not giving him rights back. But, you know, what's odd, though, that they actually are able to use Ego in the film. So, you know, you can work out a deal, you just have to ask, I suppose. All I know is, uh, Sony Pictures better not screw up that Spider-Man deal. That's all I gotta say. But then again, what could I do about it? Probably go on a forum page and write something. <laughs> I don't know. It is what it is, but then again, you know, we can influence them in some way, so... It's questionable. But anyway, back to space. James Gunn is coming back for a third outing as he's gonna be directing and writing Volume 3. So props to this man for taking a lesser-known Marvel franchise and turning it into a pop culture phenomenon you know it's only going to get more epic because the big team up happens next year with infinity war now before i end this love letter to disney did y'all hear about will smith well he's not in the running to voice tim the mouse for dumbo anymore he's going for something bigger he's going for the genie role and the live action aladdin movie now i actually approve but I'm still on the lookout for Lady and the Tramp or Pinocchio. You know what I mean? Because this is a trend. It's going to happen again. I know that 101 Dalmatians is probably going to come back, even though they've had two live-action films. That's where the money is. I mean, people aren't going to stop going to these films, no matter how you complain. And I'm intrigued to see how The Lion King turns out, because The Jungle Book was a good movie. I have yet to see Beauty and the Beast. Well, you know, I just haven't had time to go see it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, don't don't blame me for not going to see the movie. I mean, eventually I'm going to see it, but, you know, I just get wrapped up and do a bunch of other things. So, it is what it is. But, anyway, that's enough for cutting Disney a check. Sci-fi is starting to come back. You know, especially with hits like Arrival. Well, I don't know, Arrival's debatable, depending on who you talk to. But it's going to make a significant impact once Alien Covenant lands in Blade Runner 2049. Oh, and don't forget, yeah, 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 the Predator movie's coming. And believe me, as I am a sci-fi buff, this stuff is great. Sure, some of these things are semi-sequels and reboots. Some of these things are things that we really need to let inspire us so we can create some new material. 
But you know what, though? There is room for these things to exist because it's a universe. It shouldn't just have to deal with one main character. I would prefer a lot of parallel stories in addition to direct sequels, but maybe that's my opinion, and, you know, sometimes you all agree with it, too, because you all love comics and stuff that are based on where they deal with other people that have to deal with the threat. You know, we could bring that stuff in the film, but it seems like people are so, um... How do you how do you put it? Territorial about this sort of thing? But anyway, regarding sci-fi, though, it's just great to see that this genre is getting the love and the push. I mean, because there are sci-fi movies that go through. Don't get, don't get me wrong, there are. But the problem is, is that sometimes they fail to get noticed or they fail to get that attraction. And then, like, some people don't necessarily talk about them much. You know, like Chappie. Chappie was one of those kind of films that was just... It seemed like it had a good premise so far, but the execution was kind of rushed. And, you know, the production problems kind of made that movie unwatchable. Not to mention that sometimes you're like, so is he going to be on the human side or is he going to be on the good side? And this kind of reminds me of Johnny Five to a point, doesn't it? Which, by the way, I think they were supposed to be bringing him back in a movie now that I think about it. And then I'm still waiting for District 10, but also Elysium. Elysium was a damn good movie. And then... There was that one with Tom Cruise in it called, um... It was the one where he had to die again. What was it? Was it Edge of Time? Is that what it was called? He he had to, um... It was a secret mission of his, and he had to die to restart and die to do... I, th- I think it was Edge of Time, if I'm not mistaken. If, if I'm wrong, you know, send me a correction on Twitter. At J360Productions. Because I know that that was a significant sci-fi movie. And, well, you know, The Matrix is always gonna be good. Even with that prequel they're trying to make. So this is a pretty big year. And not only that, I remember one time telling you guys, like, why does it seem like every sci-fi movie has to be like Star Wars? You know, well, Star Wars is great. Very great. But the thing is, don't get wrapped up in just one narrative alone. Take a look at some other sci-fi films. You know, get a feel for the genre. Even if you're somebody who, like, let's say, doesn't really care for sci-fi. But you know, the thing is, is that there's a lot of wealth in sci-fi anyway. Take the time to actually create something for it. You know what I'm saying? To reinvent the genre. Now, you don't necessarily have to go ahead and get a case of sequelitis or have a case of nostalgia because sometimes, you know, that can kind of impair your judgment. It's like this. Take the time to go on ahead and venture into something new. Maybe you could create something that's iconic for, like, you know, the future to come up. Take a look and say, oh, my God, that was amazing. They made that on how much of a budget? And then all of a sudden you leave the imprint. See, some of us, we sit here and we hold on to things that we hold dear. But you see, we could be using the thing that we hold dear to inspire us to create something for somebody else to hold dear. I'm sure there's going to be a world after um, all that bullshit going on in political regarding, Oh, I'm doing this by firing new weapons. I'm doing this. I have weapons. I'm doing this. I, I, I don't want to go to war, but I will. All that bullshit going on in, in public office. Now, you see, the thing about talking about that is, that stuff that's actually happening around us, and then there's the aftermath of what comes. Are we still going to be on this world, or are we going to have to live subterranean because the world's so irradiated? You know, like, take bits and pieces of different things that are going on in current events, and think about the aftermath, like what you can create from that. That's how you create something awesome. Like, Waterworld, for instance. Now, Waterworld, I get it. It has backlash to it. But needless to say, the polar ice caps are melting because global warming is a thing. You never know. All this stuff can shift and change any time. Earth has changed 
more so now than it did, like, I want to say about, let's say, over, like, 30 or so years ago and stuff. Earth hasn't stayed the same. It changes like we do. And who's to say that this world might be wrapped up in water? So that's, like, the premise you get from something like that. Now, the movie itself, cheesy. And, you know, nowadays I look back on it fondly than I ever did as a kid. See, when I was a kid, looking at that kind of stuff, it was pretty damn boring. But if I look at it, it's pretty much like Mad Max with an aqua feel. You know what I'm saying? And, like, you look at Mad Max, that could happen, too. So, anything is possible and stuff. And that's the whole point about sci-fi. Takes you to a different world. Takes you of a what-if scenario and how people cope and how they make it through day-to-day with Like, some people want to topple the... Like, some people want to defeat the evil empire. Some people are the evil empire and don't know that they're evil. Like, all the scenarios and wealth and that sort of thing. Like how, let's say Donald Trump wants to build a wall, right? And the thing is, there's no more jobs except that wall job. And you see, that wall job can be kind of like how Pacific Rim was, and it's not defending against anything. It was actually a wall made out of cardboard at best, and we were lied to. So who do we put a fight against this time? Do we put a fight against the government that put us in that way or do we go ahead and blindly follow him by getting indoctrinations all the time to never question similar to like 1984 or similar to like thx 1138 if you've never seen that and you love star wars well remember this you need to check out george lucas's filmography because that was something he made with francis ford coppola now outside of j360 i also have a lot of other projects i like to work on now i'm writing daily so I always try to go ahead and look at these little scenarios and work something out. The thing is, I do have something in the works regarding these lines, and you'll all know someday, especially if you follow any of my writings. The best part is to question everything that's known. If you watch things like The Strain, or if you watch anything like Falling Skies back in the day, you know, you gotta look at this whole thing that's going on, right? And you can see a whole wealth of stories there. Like, all this stuff that the Orange Overcomb is doing, Like, try to not be scared of it, you know what I mean? But if you are scared of it, that's good. Because now you got the tension right. So, you learn that sort of thing, you lay it out, and see how it structures, right? See, make it fun. Make writing an adventure. And then you go ahead and you carve that out for your story. And take that story and go somewhere else. Yeah, I know I'm discussing a lot about writing in this space episode, but you know, the thing about it is, I want to see some other people get it together. You know what I mean? Some of us, we can live up to Frank Herbert's Dune. We can live up to Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. If I must scream and I have no mouth. We can live up to those things. If anything, I've always been influenced by that genre and horror. Because, you know, I love Frankenstein. And I also love the idea of the time machine and the Invisible Man. Plus, I do know that there are books that take place in the Star Wars universe. And as it is a universe, you can write a story about anything. The whole thing is just to let it inspire you and go ahead and create that sort of thing. But, since this is primarily about movies, I also have a list of movies that I'm going to throw your way, you know, to get you guys inspired and actually looking into certain things. Not to mention, I couldn't save that film last time. Like, yeah, Doom was a sci-fi film, but it was so average. You see what I'm saying? If anything, it's pretty much paint by numbers. Don't paint by numbers. Build your structure. Have something good to sell. And if it's going to be based on an intellectual property such as that, like I said before, it had really little to no substance to it, you know, of course you're going to, you get what you put into it, you know what I'm saying? And they pretty much wanted to make that movie and bank on, 
Resident Evil sales. But the thing about Resident Evil was, Resident Evil had some structure to it because it didn't follow the games entirely. That didn't happen until Resident Evil Apocalypse, where it combined elements of Resident Evil 2 and 3. If anything, the things that came together for Resident Evil 1 was the mansion and, well, actually just the mansion and the dead dogs and the T-Virus and the fact that Umbrella Corporation had the market for all that stuff. That was pretty much what was in that first one because it dealt with Alice's story. There was no Chris Redfield in there. He didn't come yet. Honestly, I, I think in the movie series, Claire came before Chris and Jill came before both of them. One day I'm going to cover those Resident Evil films because I think another one's going to come into our lives soon enough. It just will never end. But then again, that's Sony's backdrop money, believe it or not. Anytime you see screen gems, remember, it's a Sony company, so that Sony's picture thing, by another name. They need something to foot the bill because they're not using Spider-Man like that yet. Not entirely, anyway. I mean, they're... Okay, from the Spider-Man deal, they're getting the distribution costs, and then pretty much, like, after the Spider-Man Homecoming sequel... That thing's still a rumor that they're probably going to take him out of the MCU. And they're, they're just going to cause a clusterfuck to themselves. So until then, they still got the Resident Evil franchise to fall back on to make all their 100% control because that's what it's all about, right? But moving forward, the reason I brought that up is to compare, you know, formula-type writing, which pretty much Doom was, and then, you know, structure writing, which kind of what Resident Evil had. You see what I'm saying? They took the placements, but they made a complete story with it. And they also left it open. Now, the quality diminishes with every sequel, you know, but they start putting in more elements from the games to keep it fresh. But you tell me, you know, what was the best Resident Evil film to you? You know what I'm saying? But moving forward, we need to go ahead into this. See, I have a list of movies I want to go ahead and share with you all and try to get you, you know, thinking about sci-fi a little bit today. And some of these are lesser known examples, except for the last one. And these are more of... And these are more of recommendations, not redemptions. Like, they're lesser-known films, and some of them are B-grade, according to certain people. But they are really enjoyable. See, number one, Trancers, created by Full Moon Entertainment. You know, the same people that made the cult Puppet Master films. A cop from 2247 goes back in time to 1985 to stop a maniacal cult leader from changing history. A lot of shit went down in 1985, huh? I guess that really was the future, you know, with wood grain and uh, Apple computers that have startup with the green words and everything else. <laughs> but you know what, though? That really was where they were thinking about the future at the time. Especially when Marty McFly is still trying to get back to 1985 as far as I know, right? But anyway, going back to Transfers, it starred Tim Thomerson as Jack Depp. And it has six films in its lineup. While it doesn't deal with space per se... It also deals with futurism and time travel. Has that noir film, and it really is entertaining from beginning to end. Now, in terms of sequel, because remember, there are six in this movie lineup. The quality does start to diminish after the third film. Like, you know, the fourth and fifth film, he actually went back in time, kind of like Bruce Campbell did in Army of Darkness. Now, whether it worked or not is debatable, because I haven't seen the uh, fourth film in years. And the fifth film continues on from the fourth film. And then eventually that sixth film was just weird. You know, because at that point he, he went into... You see, in order for him to go back in time, he has to go down through the lineage or upon the lineage of his um his line, his family line, right? 
And you see, eventually he had a daughter with his wife from the second film. Because she left him around the third and the fourth. And <laughs> pretty much it's his attitude inside of his teenage daughter. It's, it's wild to talk about, but this is a sci-fi film, so open your mind. And <laughs> the thing is, the movie wasn't that good either. Because all she did, right, was stalk around. The transfers weren't even really seen in the movie. Like, they showed up. But, and they were cheesy in the original lineup, but the thing is, is that in the sixth one, it was very forced. It was like, there was no real reason for the transfers to act the way they did, and pretty much she just ran around shooting them. <laughs> so, I'll save you some time on transfer six. No real substance there, but four and five, give them a good look if you ever do buy the six disc set. It's on Amazon, so you know, like, give it a good look. If anything, the best part out of all six films, I should say, is the music. The music is amazing. Once you hear the music of Trancers, you know you're watching Trancers. Matter of fact, I may make time this weekend and go ahead and do a movie marathon. Yeah, I think so. Okay, number two is Dune by David Lynch. Well, actually, it was written by Frank Herbert. Don't don't lose your mind, folks. But it was directed by David Lynch, even though he really didn't want his name attached to it because of issues. Let me hear me out on this film because it is a cult film. The movie doesn't live up to the books or recent miniseries in the Dune universe. But to be fair, nobody has that much time to sit there and watch that long of a movie. It'll probably be Bible length. And the fact that they even made a movie of the Bible is just... I don't know how they did it, but they they really didn't do it in a two-hour format, put it that way. But moving forward, though, this movie was a pinnacle of 80s greatness. Like, the way the darkness, the visuals looked. They show you the war effort play out on the planet Arrakis. And it also has scenarios dealing with politics, technology, ecology, and so on. And to be honest, it is debatable, but Dune was the original Game of Thrones. I mean, if Game of Thrones happened in space. Especially in book form. In its original source material, that probably inspired Game of Thrones in a way. Now, the film wasn't a hit by any means... But like I said before, it achieved cult status as age grew upon it. And, you know, David Lynch went through a lot of hell to make the film from financial cutbacks and alleged artistic restrictions. I'm going to recommend you watch this film because it could inspire you to want to create something great. And the war effort is something you don't want to miss. Like the way they play it out, the levels of the different families involved in Dune. You want to see this film. And it's like, oh my god, this is unbelievable, you know? I remember when I was looking at it as a kid, I enjoyed it, but then I looked back at it as a teenager and I really loved it. It's one of them kind of films that you really have to be open-minded to, and if you watch it in like a dark room, the environment is so great, it'll pull you right in, because if anything, they're going to war over spices and then some. And there's all sorts of backstage politics, betrayals going on, and if you really do like the movie... And you managed to see the uh, miniseries, like from the first miniseries of Dune, and then the second miniseries, Children of Dune. You'll probably be like, well, this movie didn't live up to that. Well, the thing is, the miniseries has time to go ahead and show you everything. Whereas with the movie, you know, you're getting what you're getting. But I want to say, in honor of David Lynch, though, a very valid effort to try to put that in film mode. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and by the way, ladies, for those of you that like Sting... He wears a Speedo in the movie. Yep, so that eye candy, especially if you like Young Sting, is right up your alley. Number three is Flash Gordon. One of the cheesiest 80s movies to ever grace cinema. 
based on the comic and radio serials back in the day. Now this 80s revamp attempt to capture the spirit of the legendary space hero. Before we got that other miniseries that happened on sci-fi. Which was pretty good for its time, wasn't bad. But you see, this movie lived up to its name with flashy visuals, a grand adventure, and wild action sequences. And I'm just putting it lightly. It even had Brian Blessed and Timothy Dalton in it. It's like, wow, amazing to see that they actually loved the series enough to be in that movie. And you know what? Brian Blessed lived up to his name because a lot of his cheesy... Well, not even cheesy. A lot of his... If you know Brian Blessed, you know that you're going to get a lot of hamminess and acting. And he really plays it to a T. If anything, I, I think that movie really marked him and everything else. I think one of his classic lines was, Ming's not unbeatable. With all his men, he couldn't even kill Flash. Gordon's alive. Classic, right? Wait until you see the film. And also, you know the song when you hear Flash Gordon going on? It goes like this. Flash. Ah. He'll save every one of us. Dun, 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 dun. That's where the song came from. Came right from that movie, and it was produced honorably by Queen, along with the score by Howard Blake. And also, the villainous Ming, played by Max von Sydow. Great job. Great acting ability by him. He did He did an awesome job. Like, you know, the thing is, if you ever see, like, a completely wicked villain that just lives by his name, Merciless... It would be that Ming. He was Ming. Pretty much. Because anything goes on his planet. It's just like wild. And then at the end, you know, they left it open for a sequel per se. Because when um, they took away his ring, you heard Ming's laughter. So you don't know what happened because there was no sequel made. But I like to think, if you look at Ming, and if we ever do videos again, or if you look at like Monda Rates on the YouTube channel... I like to think that Ming the Merciless reincarnated as our very own Mondo. <laughs> I really do. If you take a good look at him and then take a good look at Mondo, the resemblance is uncanny. And you know what? So is the mannerisms. Oh, by the way, if Mondo, if you ever hear this, shout out Steve, man. Oh, God. <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of crazy adventures that Flash and crew endure. So if you have not seen this movie... Get on Netflix or go to Redbox right now. And speaking of which, I think there is a podcast out there called The Hail Ming Power Hour. And they really are fans of this film because they create a lot of memes and everything with Ming's face. So if you ever like take the time to really look at this movie, check them out too because they're pretty awesome. And the way they go about just <laughs> just making fun of everything. Now I think about it, I think Donald Trump wants to be Ming, doesn't he? But he doesn't have the class to be Ming, so we'll just... Oh my god, I just said Ming has class. Uh, anyway, moving on, moving on. For number four in my final film of this episode, because there's just too many films to cover, this is a classic film, and it's my all-time favorite sci-fi film. It's called Forbidden Planet. A titan of the industry, introducing humans traveling in a faster-than-light starship of their own design. The first film to be set on an entirely distant planet. And of course, Robbie the Robot's debut. Now, he's an icon in terms of sci-fi. And you know how in certain movies that deal with alien invasion, interstellar travel, that you have that electronic synth sound? This is the movie that started all of that. This movie broke a lot of ground in different ways. So, you gotta give it props. Any movie that has been made after this in one way or another was shaped by this film. A prime example is Star Trek. So, we, we all owe hats off to Forbidden Planet for a lot of things. 
In terms of plot, it deals with a crew landing on a titular planet to find out what happened to a space expedition sent 20 years ago. There they meet three survivors, consisting of a scientist, his daughter, and Robbie the robot. Unfortunately, there is a hidden secret on the planet that caused the incident. And now, th- and now that the relief team... And now that the relief team has landed, they walk the beast. And there is a hidden plot point in there. If I tell you it now, there's no point in you watching the movie, other than to learn aesthetics and visuals. But I will say this much. It is incredible what happens and the ties that surround it. It is almost like a mystery of what goes on. And matter of fact, listen to this sound. The crew was lucky to make it out alive from that monster. And I'll tell you one thing, you all be blown away by what it is. I mean, it holds up to its day. Like, there are some cheesy conventions to it, you know, by today's standards. But then again, straight sci-fi is kind of kind of hard to do sometimes, you know, with some people. Especially when they don't open their mind to see these sort of things. But what I'm saying is, is this. It also had Leslie Nielsen. It wasn't his first role, I don't think. But Leslie Nielsen... Now, I know a lot of y'all are probably going to say, oh, well, the seriousness of the film has been thrown out. Not quite. Now, while a lot of us do associate Nielsen with his comedy films back in the day, the thing is, he was a very versatile actor. And that was his second starring role. So, you know, humble beginnings. But the thing is, he was very versatile. He could play a serious performance. And then later on, he was more known for his comedy. But definitely in that movie, he really perform the ideal action hero well not action hero sci-fi hero and looking back if you think about it young leslie nielsen pretty much had the archetype for being the ideal hero at the time and then not only that the idea and the aesthetics of how they designed everything including the spaceships including the atmosphere like everything about it and this is just what practical effects mind you You know, the movie still holds true to the test of time, so it's just something that, you know, you really need to check out. See, as I wanted to go ahead and do this episode, I wanted to go ahead and show you some cult films to let you know that, sure, maybe some people probably won't get it at the time, but as time goes on, it'll get rediscovered, and the thing is, the fame will come one way or another. So don't ever count yourself out because your effort didn't win during the time of your youth and prime. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of annoying in some aspects, but as it builds up over time, it becomes a success. You know, because Star Wars had humble beginnings too, believe it or not. So anything can build up and become a successful franchise. It's just how you how much you want to do it, how much you want to market it, and how much you want to get to where you want to be. And then the idea is just go ahead and play it out and do the best you can. Let it inspire you, but don't let that inspiration take over your vision. So I wanted to go ahead and throw some cults at you, and I also wanted to throw a pinnacle landmark film to you, so you know that you can go ahead and do what you gotta do. Because, you see, if we're in such a entertainment drought, easily get out of it by putting effort into our passions. Now you're gonna have people out there who don't believe in anything, who pretty much want to see you fail, and you're gonna have those that just say, that fucking sucked, and they were in the movie. 
But the thing about it is, it's about how much you want it. And the thing is, as you really want it, you'll inspire other people to join in with you. Now, not everybody that joins in with you are about anything regarding the movie. Some are about getting paid, and others are about getting recognition. And then you have the special so-and-sos that are about both. And you're going to meet a lot of them. So as you do go into the entertainment business, or as you do go ahead and create things for sci-fi or whatever... Just note that the odds are against you, but they're going to be against you every time you do something in media. Just like this show, for instance. <laughs> so, you have to keep trying, and you have to roll with the punches, and then you have to throw some punches back. That's how you just have to do it. Because, you see, the thing is, this movie here, it seemed like it was uneventful. It probably had a lot of things going against it. I know Fantastic Voyage had a lot of problems against it, too. But, you see, the thing is, they managed to do it without heavily relying on CGI. Not to say that some CGI or some effects weren't there, but the thing is, is that sometimes we get so caught up in other things, we can create things similar by just putting together a good story and being passionate about the project and then knowing how to sell it, is what I'm saying. So, you know, just take your shot. But as we are up here in space right now, you never know, I might create a little bit of a scenario for all of us next time on another episode of the J-Man Show. But before we go, because we're running out of time, I do have a J360 question of the week for you. And isn't that cool that I waited till this episode to do it because pretty much this was the week for 21, but I wanted to go ahead and double up. And not only that, we completed episode 21 on the 21st day of April, so how cool is that? (laughs) Anyway, your question of the week is, what are you looking forward to in The Last Jedi? Luke turns to the dark side, Rey's parentage, Finn being a Jedi, or more Kylo Ren? And just like last time's poll, this will be on the Twitter And the poll will be open for about a week. Now, the thing is, is that we were kind of late with this show. So, what I want to do is, I want some of you that could not vote to go on ahead and send me a message on the email at j360productions at outlook.com. And go ahead and put in your message of why. Or even leave a comment after the poll so I know what side you're going to be on. That way, so maybe I can try to continue it and see, like, what big rankings we can get. Because I try to make sure I give you all enough time to vote before the next J-Man Show episode comes on. Or even on the Radio Party Show, I will probably try to bring the question of the week with me. You know what I'm saying? Because I try to address that on J360 Live. And which, by the way, speaking of J360 Live, there will be a two-hour stream at 2 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Yeah, because I want to go ahead and finish up Bioshock 2. I might not do it in that episode, but, you know, you all been waiting, so you do deserve a two-hour stream. Now, outside of all that, though, we managed to get through another episode. Let's see if I can get the 30 and maybe the 40, huh? Challenge accepted, you know? Okay, well, that about does it for now, everybody. I'd like to thank all of you for coming in and giving me time to go ahead and create these episodes and make it happen. Take care of yourselves. We'll be back with episode 22 on regular time. Thursday of next week at 7 p.m. And by that point, hopefully I don't have anything in the way so I can go ahead and follow through with the new programming schedule we have for J360. So until then, this is Jay signing off. I will see you all later. It's the thirstiest time of the Want a Sprite Cranberry? Uh-huh. The answer is clear. It's the thirst, thirstiest time of the year.
Sprite, Winter Spice Cranberry is back. Get a two liter of this twist on a cool, crisp holiday favorite at your local Acme now. 